Welcome, and thank you for tuning into the Graceland Church Podcast. Our mission is to follow Jesus and love our neighbor for the good of the city. You know, one of the things we love about Christmas is the childlike wonder of it. Uh, I don't know about you, but each Christmas, I like to go back and even listen to music that I listened to in my childhood. For me, that was like uh, pop punk. Anybody with me there? And I, we're going to be flying tomorrow morning uh, to go see some family. We'll, we'll fly into New York City in the morning and see family in Pennsylvania. And I've got my, my playlists all downloaded and I'm ready to go. Of course, we all watch the same old movies. And I know there's way more than these three, but out of curiosity, I want to see what our crowd is like between the Home Alone series, uh, It's a Wonderful Life, or Elf, by way of applause, where are my Home Alone people at? That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Where are my It's a Wonderful Life people at? It's nice to have you older folks here. Where are my Elf people at? (laughs) Okay, I think Home Alone wins, but either way, I know there's way more movies than that. We love to reconnect with really our childlike heart, our experiences, the nostalgia of it. And before I get into this message called A Childlike Christmas, I want to share some really funny notes from kids uh, just to connect us with how kids think. Look at this. Dear mom, thank you so much for being my mom. If I had a different mom, I would punch her in the face and go find you. Love, Brooke. (laughs) I'm not saying do that, kids, but kids have a way of being encouraging in very funny ways. Look at this next one. I hope you get a lot of presents and have a happy, merry Christmas, and you are fat. Thank you. (laughs) They can be brutal in a funny way. They will oftentimes do anything to get their way. Check this one out. I won't love you if you make me clean my room. I love their honest prayers to God. Dear God, if you give me genie lamp like Aladdin, I will give you anything you want except my money or my chess set, Raphael. And then, of course, there's sweetness and compassion. I'm angry at you, and I'm not talking to you today and tomorrow. P.S. all day, P.S.S. I still love you. I think it's amazing that everything we're doing during this Christmas season season is celebrating the birth of a baby. And we, we forget that sometimes, but look at the text, Isaiah 9, 6. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And that child that was born was first a newborn baby, and not just a baby, but a baby born in the lowliest of circumstances of their day and age. And it's, it's hard for us to grasp, but this was so unexpected for God to come to us as a baby. Look what David Jeremiah says. Everyone knew or thought they knew that the Messiah would be the ultimate military commander. He would arrive on horseback with sword held high, crying out for vengeance and redemption in the name of the Lord and his favorite nation. The chosen one would have the wisdom of Solomon, the charisma of David, the godliness of Moses, and the military genius of Joshua. Yet here was a baby, just a baby. Joseph and Mary had to admit that here was a baby who seemed at first glance like any other newborn child. He cried in the middle of the night. He hungered for milk. He needed fresh swaddling clothes every now and then. How could an infant be the son of God? Or for that matter, why would the son of God be an infant? The need of the crumbling, dying Israel was urgent. 
first the Greek and now the Roman influence was wiping away a bit more of the legacy of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob each day. So why indeed did Jesus come as a child? There are actually a lot of theological reasons that we could go into, but in part, I believe it was to show us the childlike nature of the kingdom of God, how it's an upside-down kingdom, how the first or last, the servant becomes the greatest. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 18 too, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And let me just say, I believe Jesus speaks these words to us today. Unless we change, he wants us to be like children, have a childlikeness of heart. That's why we're calling this a childlike Christmas. Three incredible benefits and characteristics of a childlike heart. And just a quick clarification before I share these three things. C.S. Lewis observed, and I think wisely, that Christ wants a child's heart, but a grown-up's head. He wants us to be simple, single-minded, affectionate, and teachable as good children are, but he also wants every bit of intelligence we have to be alert at its job and in first-class fighting trim. He also says, when I became a man, I put away childish things, including the fear of childishness and the desire to be very grown up. And so I believe from remembering the Christmas story this year, we can learn, number one, that childlike faith means you can trust what God says. And if you're a note taker, that's the first fill in for you tonight. Childlike faith means you can trust what he says. The same way that kids, especially initially, trust everything their parents say. Chris Morris comments, children trust what their parents teach them and are dependent on them for food, shelter, and comfort. Children believe the promises their parents make. This trusting spirit and absolute dependence is what our heavenly father wants from all believers. There's some kind of childlike faith that just trusts our heavenly father, regardless of how out of the box, regardless of how impossible, regardless of how surprising what he says to us may be, sometimes believing even the goodness of God. And Mary and Joseph's response to the message of God to them through the angels is a great example of this. Let's read it. This is the, the, the classic heart of the story. Luke 1, verse 28, the angel went to Mary and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. And I love this right here. For no word from God will ever fail. Look at her response. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. And here's the key. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. So Mary, just a teenager, faced with unimaginable commands from God through this messenger angel, chose to have a childlike faith that says, okay, 
if this is what you're saying, I'm gonna trust it. May it be to me as you have said. And that might be your simple response this whole Christmas. Okay, God, if there's really more you're saying to me, if there's really more to this whole Christianity thing, may it be to me as you have said. That's what it is to have that blessed childlike faith. And Joseph had to grapple with the same kind of thing. Look at Matthew 1, verse 19. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace because she was now pregnant before being married to him, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, Look at this right here. He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. So rather than explain it all away, rather than reason himself out of obedience, he said, okay, I'm gonna have a childlike faith and trust what God is saying to me. So my first question to you this Christmas Eve is what is God saying to you? What is it that you need to let a childlike faith rise up in so that you can grow in your walk with him? You can, you can receive what he has for you. Maybe it's just to come home to follow him, to know him. Maybe you've been running a million miles an hour and he calls you home. Maybe it's to believe his promise, his plan. Maybe it's to, to get your hopes up about what, what 2024 could be and have that faith like a child. Sometimes it's warning. There are things we're doing that are hurting us. This is called sin. There are things that, that we are doing that he knows will destroy us and hurt those around us. And he's saying, no, 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 no. I want you to, I want you to think different. That's what repentance means. I want you to repent and go the other way. And there's something so powerful about just having a childlike faith and saying, okay, I trust that there's no better thing I could do than obey the voice of my father like a child would. And it leads to the next benefit, number two. Childlike humility means you can receive what God gives. I don't know if you've noticed this, but kids will receive gifts from almost anyone. And part of the reason for that is because they have no insecurity about being in need and saying they want the gift. Have you noticed that as adults, it becomes harder and harder for us to receive because our pride starts rising up. Sometimes if someone wants to bless you, you, you may first just be like, no, 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 no. I, I'll take care of it myself. I, I don't need a handout or whatever our thinking may be, and it's really pride. But let me tell you, as Christians, we have to become masters of receiving the gifts that God has for us. Look at what Colossians 2.6 says. This is one of my favorite verses. So then just as you, what's the word here? Received Christ. Is the word attained Christ? No. Is it figured it all out and then got Christ? No. Is it got your life all perfectly in order and then you had Christ? No. The word is received. The only thing we have to do with this great salvation, all these promises of God, is say yes. It is a received kingdom. It is a received gospel. Just as you received him, now continue to live in him. In other words, continue to receive. Continue to let him give to you. And that's why humility is the entryway into the kingdom. You can't even receive salvation until you say, I'm in need. I need you, God. You can't even receive God's wisdom until you're willing to say, I've tried my way. 
I've tried going down this path. I've tried thinking this way. I've tried getting my life right this way. I've tried having a flourishing family this way. I've tried this, and it's not working great. I need you, Lord. Humility of a child. Willingness to confess need so we can receive the gift. I had a funny uh, thing happen to me that made me think of humility. Just two nights ago, I was reading this little book that I've been working through. I've read it a bunch of times. It's by... um, John Wesley, and it's called How to Pray. It says it real big on the cover, How to Pray. And it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful book. I, I got it in college, and I was just rereading through it. And Nessa, my eight-year-old, walked into my room, and she looked at it, and she said, How to Pray. And she looked at me confused, and she said, I think you should know that by now, right? <laughs> it was awesome to see her perspective. She's basically like, oh, you're a pastor, and you're reading about how to pray. Isn't that kind of like 101? And and the thing that, that I thought was beautiful about it was it, it was a chance for me to talk to her about how we have to stay in a posture of learning. We stay in a posture of humility, saying we need to be taught. I would encourage you to receive the gift of saying, there's a lot more that you need to know. There's a lot more that I need to know. There's a lot of ways I'm thinking about things that might not even be right. There's things that I might feel sure about that I'm wrong about. And this is a blessed humility. Because says, God, I need to receive what you have from me. Are you guys tracking with me on this? You know, I did some research. Uh, I think it was, let's see, Bank Rate did this study about gift cards. And I could probably ask you to raise your hands. Uh, let me just do it. How many of you, if we were to look through your car or your wallet or your shelf at home, probably have some gift cards that you forgot about that you never used? I, I know I do. And this study said that the average American has a few hundred dollars of unclaimed gift cards, and that total, they estimate, just in our nation, $23 billion of unclaimed gift cards. And I just thought that was so remarkable. And I just want to encourage you um, to let yourself have childlike humility, receive his gifts, and and redeem them. Like, Like, understand that God wants to give to you and receive it and act on it. Don't just like let it sit on your shelf. Don't just like forget about these great gifts of the Lord. Salvation, hope, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, the fullness of the Holy Spirit, forgiveness. If that's you, even as I'm talking right now, begin to just talk to the Lord in your heart. Say, God, I, I want to receive what you have for me. Forgive me for just trying to go my own way. I want you. My prayer is that our church would just be hungry for the ultimate prize, and that is knowing Jesus. He's the beginning and he's the end of all of it. He is the ultimate prize. We're not trying to get anywhere else. There is no other thing that satisfies. All we long for is in him. All we need is in him. And it takes humility to to lean into it. And it leads to the final piece, and we're gonna close with this. Number three, childlike wonder means you can expect God to surprise you. I like how Chris Morris comments, for a child, everything is an adventure and a new discovery. There's a sense of curiosity and an energy that leads to constant exploration and learning. It's a mindset that believes everything is possible. That's why kids, when they first go to the Nashville Science Center, it's like a discovery. It's like like they're on Mars. Everything is brand new. And then you become adults and you get bored of it because you're like, I've seen it. I've done it. But God says he wants us to have a childlike wonder that expects to still be surprised. 
and not just by negative things. Sometimes the only thing we're expecting to be surprised about is get that blow across our our right jaw going into 2024, whatever it might be that just takes us down. And I wanna encourage you to intentionally not just expect negative surprises, but expect good surprises from a good God who's made a way for you and calls you to have childlike wonder. What would it look like if you went into this new year with childlike wonder and, and I have no idea how God's gonna surprise me in good ways. Wouldn't that be amazing? I know I need more of that in my life. Tim Keller says this about hope. You and I are unavoidable and irreducibly hope-based creatures. We need hope. We need wonder. We are controlled how we live now by our understanding of the ultimate future state. He's talking about eternity. Christian hope has to do with the ultimate future state, not just the immediate. So our sense of receiving from the Lord and wonder about that and being surprised has to do with us being prepared for eternity, a guaranteed future that causes us to be at rest now. Ephesians 3.20 says, to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. So whatever your greatest dreams for your life are, his dreams might not be exactly what you're thinking about, but his are immeasurably more than all you can ask or imagine. But we have to humble ourselves and say, I'm gonna go your way. I've seen lots of people come into lots of money and fame and all the stuff they long for, and it doesn't do squat for them. It doesn't work. It doesn't bring fulfillment. It doesn't change us. Whatever it is you're longing for in 2024 that isn't just more of the Lord and his good gifts that he has for you, repent of that. And I'm not saying don't work for it and don't try hard and make money and get promoted and pursue your dreams. Like, go for it. But realize your prize is in the Lord. And there's a whole rewrite there about about how our hearts uh, long and how our minds think and and when we're writing goals. And so here's what I want to close with, this question. What do you need to get your hopes up about this Christmas? I want to encourage you to allow yourself to believe things that you haven't believed for a while. It might be this simple. I want you to believe that God loves you. You're his delight. He longs for you. This whole thing he did, this whole, the incarnation of Christ, God coming as a man to us to then live, die in our place, invite us into a new kingdom. It's not because he's a cosmic cop trying to control us. It's because he longs for us to be with him. He welcomes us back, so believe it. Believe he has a purpose for you. Believe he's even with you in hard times. I know that Christmas, many have heightened joy, many have heightened pain. I think most of us, it's a mix of that. There's pain that comes with this. You're missing loved ones. Some of you guys might still be in one of the hardest moments of your life. And I wanna encourage you even in that to get your hopes up about the fact that the Lord is with you. He will surprise you. The the practical way we're gonna respond today is in prayer, I wanna encourage you to put your faith in him. I wanna encourage you to connect and commit to the church family. It's been said we're saved by grace and then we're raised in the church. We're raised up in the ways of the Lord in a family. Like if you're a Christian and you don't have a church family, God may be calling you here. He may be calling you somewhere else, but I wanna encourage you going into a new year to take that seriously to say, Lord, how have you called me to grow, to commit, to use my gifts? A practical thing you could do would be this prayer and fast that Heather talked about earlier, starting on January 1 all the way to January 21st. Um, you may not do that whole thing with us. And, and for, 
for probably none of us, is it going to be like a complete fast for 21 days? If you're thinking about anything that's really extreme, make sure you consult doctors or you can talk to me um, about best practices. But it's more like fasting a meal a day, or sometimes people will fast from sundown until like noon the next day, or whatever it may be. Sometimes it's a Daniel fast, so certain things that you're only eating. But what happens is, is it, it causes you to be more aware of the weakness in your body and then become more aware of the spiritual around you. It's super powerful. I first fasted and prayed when I was 17. I was a new believer, and I was just on fire for God, and I, I was taught about fasting and praying. I was a senior in high school. I had a job at a bookstore, and... Um, I just wrote things down on a note card that I was praying about, asking God for, believing for, asking God for help with. And I want to encourage you to do that going into 24. Don't just set goals. Don't just, don't just think through doing things exactly how the whole world around us does it. Invite your creator into the mix. Say, God, here's what I need help with. God, here's what I'm wrestling with. Here's what's bogging me down. Here's what feels like a threat. Here's what I'm hoping for. Write them down and pray and fast. Now, here's the, here's the key. Look at me real close, and then we're going to close this out. Fasting is not about earning. Fasting is about positioning ourselves to receive from him. It's increasing our awareness, not saying, here we are doing awesome, holy things, so now you're going to bless us. No, he, he wants to bless you because he's good and he loves you. Fasting positions you to once again hear him to once again be aware of what he's doing. So that's what it's all about. And then on February 4, 5, and 6, which is a Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, mark your calendar, we're gonna do three revival nights, if you will, extended worship, prayer, ministry of the word, ministry of the Holy Spirit. It's gonna happen a little bit after that fast closes. We've already done the research. It's the weekend before the Super Bowl and after the championships. (laughs) Bye week right there. Sunday night. Monday night, and Susan, I can't wait. One of my best friends in the world and mentors, creative genius, and a pastor from Virginia Beach is going to be here. Some of you guys m- might remember Gary Spell. He's going to be with us each of those nights. Our Graceland worship will be here. But mark your calendars, and, and let's go into the new year with our hopes up. So, Lord, I pray as the worship team comes, Lord, I pray for every person here. I don't even know personally everyone in this room and everyone that was in a, with us in the last service, but you do. You know the intimate realities of their heart, their soul. You're their creator. You know their body. You know their mind, their thoughts. None of it is a surprise to you. And it's so incredible, Lord, how you know us completely and at the same time love us completely. You know us completely and you love us completely. You know us more than any other person knows us. You know the things we've been thinking throughout this whole day. You know the hopes and the fears, Lord. And so I, I just pray for every single person that they would get their hopes up, that they could be loved by a God that is so good and so true. They could be loved by a heavenly Father that pulls them into their embrace. They could let their faith arise that there might actually be a life of peace. There might actually be a life of hope and purpose. There might actually be more to this whole story. There's more than just attending services, checking boxes, giving tithes. There's more than just moving chairs around and serving in the context of the church. There's actually an entire life surrendered to the King of Kings. There's actually a love relationship, a purpose that that is actually what our heart dreams of. And and I pray that every person that you're stirring in would just say yes to you, God. They might not even know what they're signing up for. And for those that that maybe it's not a first time yes, maybe not even a second and a third, but it's just this sense of there must be more. There must be something else here. 
And so this Christmas, Lord, I pray that, that they would experience actual change and that it wouldn't be getting stronger. It wouldn't be getting more in control. It would be getting more childlike. It would be getting smaller. It would be growing in humility. Rejoicing in our weakness because in our weakness, you are strong. It would be growing in wonder, confessing our need, growing in curiosity before you, God. Growing in our expectation that you could surprise us because you're a good father and you're with us. I pray that for every soul in the room, every kid, every student, every young adult, every parent, every grandparent, every senior. Lord, would you arrest their hearts? In Jesus' name I pray.